podcast by Shri. Oneness is your true nature. I can remember when I first heard these teachings that were speaking about duality and oneness. When I thought about it from the perspective of a person, a girl at that time named Sherry, who had these ideas and beliefs, who had a family that she saw separate from herself, a mother, a father, and two brothers, and an extended family that had friends and teachers and people that you'd see here and there at different groups, walking down the street, in the shopping malls, and wherever wherever you would go. And there was definitely the perception that I am a separate individual person named Sherry with these likes and dislikes, with these qualifications, with these ideas, with this family, with these friends, with these people who I don't consider friends, with acquaintances, and so on and so forth. So there was a definite sense of me and then the rest of the world, me as separate from the world from everyone else that I experienced in my life. So that I became aware of was duality, division. But then I was given the concept of oneness. So now from this perspective of being an individual person, Sherry girl, with these relations, with these qualifications, with this life situation, I began to ponder about what oneness could be. So here I was in the perception of division, the waking state as we've called it, where everything appears to be separate, trying to understand what this idea of oneness could be. And you could grasp it a bit with your mind, thinking, okay, it's one being, meaning that there's one consciousness, and it's that same consciousness that is operating all these individual forms. Okay, there again, we're still in individuality, in separation, in differences of forms. So then, from that perspective, the furthest you could go is to grasp a concept that maybe it is one consciousness, one life, one being that's existing as if in all the different various forms. So from that perspective, the still division, the still duality, you're still seeing this person that comes in front of you as other than you. You're still speaking to them with your individual needs and desires, wants, likes, and dislikes, and they're speaking to you from their individual perception, needs, wants, likes, and dislikes. So we haven't really gone much further into really grasping what this vision of oneness is as long as you're coming from the perspective or, or the perception of being a separate entity. So as you've all come to see in the practice of meditation, first you close your eyes. <laughs> it's really as simple as that because when you close your eyes, everything that has appeared to be outside of you and separate is now gone. You're not seeing anything. You might be hearing still, like I just heard a horn honking that passed by on the road outside the house. 
but your sight, your vision, is no longer seeing division. So immediately, when we begin to meditate, our perception changes. So this is the beginning of the transformation from the vision of duality to the vision of oneness. Because this is very easy for everyone to be aware of that as soon as you close your eyes, you're no longer seeing two or three or multiplicity. So you're not seeing separate forms and yet you're still as if perceiving something. There's still a knower that's aware. There's still the pure awareness, the pure being present. So now, if we're going to explore what the vision of oneness is and what the vision of duality is, we have to become aware that you can't get to oneness through duality. And yet, for the one who hasn't meditated, this is what they would think that oneness is. So, to experience the very vision of oneness, one has to meditate and one has to close the eyes first and know that this space that you're seeing with your closed eyes is pure consciousness. And it's not now that, that, that you're a separate person with a body, mind, intellect, ego that sees himself or herself as separate and now experiences a consciousness or a space when you close your eyes that you say is one consciousness or one space so now this one consciousness or one space exists within every individual form so then you say that's oneness that's a very very elementary way of looking at it because it still is from the perception of an individual so to really experience or know that which is oneness one has to as if leave their perception of individuality so that means that one has to come to know you have to come to know the very knower that you are it's that knower that exists within everyone and everything but it's not that everyone and everything is a separate knower because the knower has now resided differently in all the different forms. What we're really saying is the form is nothing other than the knower. So even though the different forms appear to be different, different, different minds, different bodies, different color hair, different sizes, heights and weights and formed consciousness, the actual physical form that we call physical is just made up of all the elements combined. We use the example sometimes of a potter who could make various different pots out of clay. And now you say that they're all different separate pots, but it's one clay. It's one being. So this one being now is manifested all these different forms like different clay pots, but they're just sculpted out of the same consciousness. So then you come to see a very different vision, that it's really all your own self. It's really all that oneness, that pure consciousness. It's not existing in all the forms, but all the f forms 
are the very consciousness, the very space. So when we talk about oneness, we talk about it all being space. Just like the sky is forever present and is permeating everything, so we could say the sky is everything. In the same way, we can say now, through our own direct experience in meditation, of that consciousness, which is one, that that consciousness appears to be all these various different forms. Now we like to look at what the practical application of this is. And I think one very practical application that everyone can relate to is communication. Because when you speak, if you're speaking from the perspective of an ego separate I identity talking to others, then you will speak in a certain way because you'll be speaking from separation, from duality. So as a teacher, as many of you are, the key is to speak from the vision of oneness. And how do you do that? Well, you speak from the space of meditation. So rather than speaking from I as separate than you, as we see with open eyes, there's me and there's you sitting there, and we see two now as if separate, you speak from the perception of the consciousness, of the pure being. So it's the pure being speaking. And that's why we say often in the expression, it's that being doing everything. It's God doing everything. It's the consciousness doing everything. It's not that the being does or the consciousness does. It's the hands that do. It's the mind that thinks. It's the instrument that's needed for the consciousness to go through to actually do anything. But without the consciousness, without that power that comes from that pure light of consciousness, then nothing can be done. So then, when we communicate with what we call others, there's now an awareness that there is no other. It's all that pure consciousness. It's all that pure being. It's all that same self. Just like when we close the eyes and the forms have all disappeared. So now, if someone is saying something or asking you for something that you don't like, that you don't agree with, that your mind and emotions are telling you, no, no, that's not good for me, that's not what I like, that won't fulfill my desire, that maybe makes me feel insecure or cheated or as if someone is doing something against me. Now, rather than allowing that mental functioning to continue in that way and for the mind to continue to think in that way, we become aware that that's the way the mind thinks, but that's not me. So I, as that knower, have the total ability and awareness that's developed now through your meditation practice to see this is my own self. It's like my right hand is talking to my left hand. It's all me. And whatever this person is saying, they're saying to me from their own perception, from their own life experiences, from what they think will be best for them. And them, or this person being me, it's me speaking. Just like different sounds that you hear all around, when they come together it's one sound. So this person is just speaking sounds that you're interpreting 
in whatever way your mind interprets. So now the perception has changed to the vision of oneness. So whatever they're saying is fine, whether you agree, whether your mind agrees with it or not, you're not your mind to agree or disagree. It's just sounds that they're making, that they're chirping like a bird, and you're interpreting with your mind if you're limited to your mind. If you're not limited to your mind and emotions, but you're now aware of the knower, then whatever they're saying is fine. You may agree with your mind or disagree with your mind, but the knower hasn't changed. The knower hasn't gone anywhere. So from this perception of the knower, from this vision of oneness, then your responses to this person may be completely different. Firstly, you'll tend to acknowledge and accept whatever they say because whatever they say is their truth as your own self's truth as another aspect of you coming through them again it's not like you've given up any vivek or discrimination you know on the level of your body whether it's good for you or not on the level of what they're saying whether it pleases you or not doesn't please you but that's only the body and the mind that's being pleased or not pleased. That's only the body or the mind and its reactions that to what the person is saying that's being affected. You have never been affected. You remain pure, free, and forever, regardless what they're saying. So this is how the perception changes. This is how the transformation unfolds through the vision of oneness. There's no other there. So there's no other, there's nobody to be against, there's nobody to be for, there's nobody to agree with, there's nobody to disagree with. You're just space. And the sounds move through you as if they're moving through the sky, as if they're moving through space. And from that perspective, you have a full range of responses. You can answer in any way because you're not bound now to your ego mind identification as separate that says it's me versus this other. Instead, it's all my own self. It's all one being. So if someone else experiences or gets something and you don't get what they got or they somehow make you jealous, it's the mind that's jealous. It's the emotions that have reacted but it's your own self, so you feel a joy for your own self achieving whatever it is that you may be jealous about. If your partner, your husband, your wife, your close friend now is having a good time somewhere else or with someone else, then it's a great joy because it's your own self having a good time somewhere else. It's only the mind that might react and think it needs something or wants something. So this is a very, very different perception. But we have to be aware that for the one who's practicing oneness, if you're practicing oneness, you're caught already in duality and then practicing oneness. So you're doing it backwards. You're starting with I am a body, I am a name, I am a form, and now I'm going to see everyone as my own self, as if you could walk around and say, I'm separate, but you're my own self. I'm separate, but you're my own self. But that's what the natural 
way to go about it would be for the one who is a human being, who was born, who says that they were born, and who's living in a world that's divisive, that's dualistic. So everyone watched all around the world the inauguration of President Obama, and there was a sense of oneness. There was a sense of unity in the crowds of people, in the sense of optimism about the future. It was palatable, this idea that it's one nation, really one being, one nation under God, as they say, indivisible, with liberty. So that's what, how the anthem goes. But what does that really mean? It really means, in terms of what we're saying, that you can't remain an individual separate and then get to oneness. So through meditation, as you've all come to see in your practice, you experience the vision of oneness. You experience that it's all that space or all that consciousness that you are. So now you begin from the perception of oneness. Someone was here the other day and asking, why is it that people don't have this awareness that the planet is being destroyed, not to fight, not to kill others? Why, do peop why are people so ignorant to what seems so obvious to those that feel they're just and caring about their own fellow man and woman and planet? And the problem is, we can see, is ignorance of their true self. Because when one knows the self, when one is from the perception of oneness, then whatever needs to be done will be done. Whatever anybody needs to do to help others, that will happen. Because first, we need to help ourselves to not see division, to not be dualistic not only not to see black and white in America now as the president, not to see color, not only that, that's on the form level, but to see everyone and everything as pure consciousness, pure space. And then there's no ignorance of that true self that exists everywhere. This has to be the starting point. From this starting point, then, a whole new vision unfolds. Then from that, there's no thought of helping someone else or not helping someone else. The power and energy springs from within. And whatever your part is in expressing, possibly teaching, which many of you are doing, speaking about the oneness, speaking about meditation, that will be done because it's through that practice, through that awareness, that one can now begin to operate through the vision of oneness in communicating first with yourself. So when you wake up in the morning and immediately you become aware that I woke up and I'm a separate person and I have these duties and responsibilities and things I need to do for the day and the mind starts to dwell on negative thoughts and ideas, possibly, that you can say, oh, look at that mind. I don't have to think those thoughts. I don't have to go with it because they're not true. The truth is, I am pure free forever. We are pure free forever. All is pure free forever. 
So now you're relying on pure free forever. You're relying on the consciousness rather than relying on the mind, which is telling you this or that, or this needs to be done, or that needs to be done, or this is a problem and that's a problem, and how am I going to solve that problem and this problem? You're not relying on a limited instrument which has only borrowed its power from the source, from the self. Instead, you're tuning in to the source of your power, to the source of the universe, to the highest perception. And from that space, all the tiny little fears and worries and doubts that exist on the mind are like those little ants that you see when sometimes you see people from a distance. I can see sometimes people walking on the road on the other side of the river. There's one new road on the side of the mountain and they look so tiny, they look so insignificant. So rather than seeing those problems that the mind sort of bubbles up and makes so real with fears about money and about relations and about sickness and health and all those things, rather than magnifying all that and giving all that the power, you tune in to the source of the power. And that source is forever pure and free. So there's no problem there. There's no situation there that needs to be addressed by the mind and ruminated over again and again and again and discussed endlessly with family and friends until you come up with some limited solution. You become totally aware that that dualistic vision is completely limited to say that I am separate, I have this mind and my mind is separate from your mind and it's with my mind that I'm going to solve my problems. Instead, you're becoming aware that that mind is nothing other than you. That body that you call yours is you the self. All the other bodies, all the other minds are all you the self. So now you're tuning in to the very essence, like the very essence in a seed, depending on what kind of seed it is, will produce various different tr kinds of trees, some ornamental, some fruit trees, some with blossoms, some leaves that are evergreen, some leaves that turn multiple colors in the fall, and all the different varieties of botanical plants that arise from a seed, what we call a seed. But that very essence is now where we put our attention, which is one essence, which is the same in all seeds, the very life force that manifests the different DNA structures of different human beings comes from one source. So now we're tuning into the power that we are directly rather than using a limited instrument that we call a mind and body, intellect, ego as our ultimate reality. So then from this power that you are, you can remove this dualistic vision by not allowing yourself to make it real. So the mind might still think the emotional reactions will still come in the body, but they're not you. They're just like your instrument. Like your car needs gas, so you fill it up. It needs fixing, so you fix it up. But you don't believe your car is you. When you get to your destination, you could walk away from your car. When you meditate, you're free from your physical form. You're free from your mind. And what is found through tuning into this vision of oneness, tuning into your higher consciousness, 
your own true self, that everything unfolds with great joy and perfection. Because how many times has your mind thought you or resisted something happening, happening, and then when you look back, you think, oh, that's really good that that happened because that moved me here or moved me there. The, as the expression says, when one door closes, another one opens. But you can't see that at the time. So the mind will resist. But from the vision of oneness, you just move with whatever happens. I remember one story that I once heard about a yogi living in a cave in the mountains. And one day, a woman came and knocked on his door, screaming and yelling, and she had a little baby in her hand. And she said, this is your baby. I can't take care of this baby. You have to take him. So the yogi said, okay, fine. Took the baby. The woman left and he took care of the baby and raised him as his own, loved him, did everything he could for him. And then, 10 years later, the same lady shows up at the door. The child is now 10 years old, knocks on the door and says, so sorry, mister, I, I made a big mistake. It's not your child, I'll take him back. So the yogi goes, okay, fine, here he is. Lady takes him back. So what this example shows is the yogi is one who knows that anything comes, it's a gift from God. Anything taken, taken away, it's a gift from God. So there's no problem. You can live the joy of the moment, raising the child, enjoying their presence, bringing them up, no problem. Child's gone, no problem. Because that one, that yogi is united. That's the meaning of yoga, unity. United with the source which is everything. So every child is your child. Every child is not your child. Everything is you and is not you really at the same time. So we can take it from either perception because you, meaning an individual, it's not you as an individual, but you as the whole, it's all you as the whole, and you are that whole. So we live the life then from the vision of oneness, which is the vision of the whole, and we live the life enjoy with that perfection that comes from the fullness of knowing yourself as that amaram ham maduram ham immortality bliss pure free forever <laughs>